I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And, well, I might be further away from you than usual, Michael, but you can still call me the front of the plane because even though the world's a little bit weird right now, we are still all business. Let's get cracking as usual you can find us on social media at Podcast Horseman. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And if you also want to follow either of your hosts on that, you can also find myself on Twitter and Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas. Or you can find Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Lots of whinging about being a parent right now. But more importantly, with the podcast, you can follow along on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Acast or listen on the embedded tweets for all the uh, podcast updates. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely fantastic. It puts us up in people's searches. It gets more people talking about this podcast and listening to us talking ourselves horse about a talking horse. And for the latest update of the five-star reviews, there'll be a new inductee into the Hollywood Talk of Fame later in the podcast. How very, very exciting. As you may have all noticed, before we go any further with this, we are obviously doing this from a a safe space, a safe distance space from one another, given the circumstances that are happening across the world right now. Uh, So obviously the sound quality may not be as it usually is, but I can promise you that the quality of content will (laughs) remain the same. Anyway, let's do some talking about some horses, and we'll start with the Netflix synopsis, which is, of course, Season 1, Episode 10, One Trick Pony. Bojack shoots a movie at Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Diane finishes her book. What do you have to say about this one, then, Michael Hamflet? Well, obviously, it feels like a short lifetime since we last caught up with these guys, but uh, we jump straight in with Classic Bojack, with Bojack speaking to an actress. Uh, We don't yet know who that is. Uh, He's delivering a line that says, (laughs) it's... Like your chocolate, and I'm dot 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 Mr. Peanut Butter. And the cameras pull away, and it turns out that they're on the set of the Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane, Mr. Peanut Butter Stole the D rom com, as directed by Quentin Tarantula. Do you know that uh, Princess Carolyn set up for Bojack in the last episode? Now, hang um, on, before you go any further, give it its proper title, of course. Mr. Peanut Butter as Hollywood Heist. <laughs> well, this is it. It's a great adventure flick, and we will learn more about the development of the plot of this movie as this episode goes on. Um, <laughs> we're introduced to the central premise by a Ryan Seacrest type on another episode of Excess Hollywood, who reveals that Bojack is starring as Peanut Butter, and they're actually filming on location at the house. It's not that the set looked realistic and they'd spent any money, it's that they were just doing it at the source. Uh, Peanut Butter credits himself as Bojack's real-life inspiration as a result of Bojack playing him in the film. Uh, And there's a great use of a cutaway gag really early on here. While Peanut Butter is trying to suggest that they're best friends, Bojack is, in fact, hideously uncomfortable about it. Um, (laughs) The Ryan Seacrest type notes that he thought Bojack was dead, Uh, but the cutaway gag reveals that uh, an angry Bojack just had to accept the uh, the film from Princess Carolyn. Uh, He was annoyed that Peanut Butter stole the idea, uh, that he stole the D, but yet he's left actually being forced to play Peanut Butter instead of getting to do something about his own story. 
Um, Bojack's furious that he can't even play himself because another cutaway gag within the cutaway reveals that he's been played by Wallace Shawn, who also doesn't want the role that he's been given. There's a really cute reference here to uh, the real Quentin Tarantino, in this case, the spider, Quentin Tarantulino, uh, rehabilitating old actors. And neither Wallace Shawn nor Bojack Horseman want to admit that they indeed are those people. They've uh, so well. <laughs> But in a really tragic sort of cyclical Hollywood way, uh, you just find both actors back to back saying, fine, I'll do the dumb movie to their <laughs> long suffering agent, Princess Carolyn. Uh, it's back to Bojack immediately with a very harsh cut, lying to a Ryan Seacrest type saying he's absolutely thrilled to play the role and we hit the credits. <laughs> Can I just interject there and say, we are shown here how good of an agent Princess Carolyn really is because she is so on the money. Like, the way she like works these two into doing exactly what they need to do. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I can't let this go by. The, when she says to Bojack, because he's complaining, he says he doesn't want to do it, how do we get out of it? She says, it might help if you think of this as a professional instead of a big titty baby. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it snuck out of nowhere that completely <laughs> floored me entirely. It's so coarse, and yet it's really incisive. Princess Carolyn, as we've learned, obviously, lately, that she's not going to take any sh anymore. Uh, in the last episode, I believe it was, where she stood in the mirror and she told herself it was time for a new Princess Carolyn. She wasn't going to be hurt by Bojack, either professionally or personally, but she has absolutely no problem hurting him to get what she needs. And you kind of admire that. You're on her side with that attitude. We see the robot Princess Carolyn that she talked about so, like, fervently, and yeah. we get it, get it in full flow, and she's just brilliant, isn't she? After the browbeating she took in the last one, you're on her side for this kind of thing. You are. Um, we go from the credits straight back to the uh, the set of the film, which is, of course, Diane and Mr. Peanutbutter's house. And Diane is really struggling with having the film people uh, in the house. She's uh, trying to basically just live a life surrounded by cast and crew, uh, almost with the realisation that even if this wasn't the film, this might be the reality show that Peanutbutter's filming, or just the fact that she's married one of Hollywood's I say brightest stars, one of its stars. Stars. Um, Bojack is obviously on set, and uh, we learn through a bit of exposition that it's the first time they've seen each other in about three months. They have a hideously awkward conversation where they try and recapture their old magic by doing a bit about both being in high school. Um, I don't want to ruin the lines for people watching it because you really have to cringe your own arse out. We appreciate just how awful a moment it is between two people that have never truly reconciled the feelings after Bojack pretty much gave himself up to Diane right before she married Mr. Peanut Butter in the last episode. Um, like I say, it's been a few months before since they've seen each other from the wedding. Uh, and Bojack just explains that he's basically been sleeping with a series of waitresses and prostitutes. Uh, he doesn't say that he's trying to get over it, but that is obviously the implication. Um, there is an absolutely awful pregnant pause when Bojack says, why would I want to settle down? I'm 50. <laughs> It's the smile on his face and then immediate realisation that that is just maybe a little bit too <laughs> old, a bit too close for comfort there. In a, in a slice of vintage Diane, she um, she reveals just to break the silence that the first draft of the book is actually going to Pinky Penguin at Penguin Publishing that day. Um, and then in a kind of, I don't know, in a, a moment where Bojack forgets himself because the conversation is, again, all about himself, he actually shows quite a lot of earnest honesty about his emotions towards Diane. He says... If reading a book is anywhere near as great as it is to actually spend the time with you, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. And then he captures himself and says, having said that, what do I know about books? I'm just a dumb actor. Again, this, <laughs> this battle of how utterly terrifying the sincerity is, neither of them want to be able to commit to it. And yet when they do, it's still incredibly sweet. Sincerity is scary, Michael. I don't know if you've heard it this. Is. It but is. As, a, as a good friend of ours once said, <laughs> sincerity is indeed very scary. It's uh, they've never yet from other than Diane's brutal honesty at the door asking Bojack why do you have to make it weird watching them still struggle to confront it when we know that two months have passed when we know that they're in each other's orbit all the time um, it paints quite a um, an arid picture you could say of their current <laughs> lives together was 
Erid. The high score bit is utterly cringeworthy, but we'll, you know, they're again going to be in each other's time quite a lot here, so we'll see if they're able to kind of work on that together. Um, there's a lot of like really quick cuts, but it's all surrounded upon the set of this film. I think it's suggesting that it is all too busy for its own good, this film. The film is a film without a real purpose, without a need to be made, and yet we're seeing so much stuff getting done for it. We're back to a Ryan Seacrest type on Excess Hollywood. Uh, interviewing Naomi Watts is revealed as the actor, the, uh, the actress Naomi Watts, who is going to be playing Diane, um, with a, just a fantastic gag here. That uh, playing on the usual fact that women are horribly miscast by aging Hollywood directors, of which Quentin Tarantino is one. She's the big gag here is that she actually wants a vapid, effort-free gag girl like this film instead of having to do something serious. In her words, this is the role she's been dying to play. It's a 20-year-old girl in a rom-com with no life of her own, which obviously we know as fans is so far away from the real Diane. It shows again that the men of Hollywood are completely missing the female characters that this is supposed to be based on. Um, to add further confusion to the situation, Quentin Tarantino calls her Diane on set, which causes endless confusion when he asks for Bojack or peanut butter, or in one case, a literal jar of peanut a butter. A literal jar of peanut butter. This gag, again, we've seen it so many times in Bojack where they do the, the camera goes back a frame and then back a frame <laughs> again. and back. Well, it literally does it for every new character who gets introduced with the name convention and it, it works so well. It's such a really good visual. It's uh, Again, it's something that we've seen in... I feel like we've had this conversation virtually every episode, but more power to it. The constant skewering of the Hollywood power dynamics yeah. uh, continue to come up and continue to play such a factor um, to the point where, indirectly, through characters dressed as them, it, comes, it even interjects in the relationship between Bojack and Diane in the fake world before it does quite brutally towards the end of this episode in the real one, but we shall get to that. Um... We are with uh, Mr. Peanut Butter giving notes to Bojack Horseman. Um, we've seen Bojack throughout the episode, I should point out, dressed as Mr. Peanut Butter, but they are in slightly different T-shirts. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter has obviously got his deep V. He's very Jersey Shore style, whereas Bojack's got the exact same colour, but in a crew neck instead of a, a, a deep V. Uh, Bojack is awaiting the notes from Peanut Butter because he is mindful of just what piece of garbage this film is. And yet the only note that Mr. Peanut Butter gives him is that it's the, something wrong with the shirt. I know it's the shirt, isn't it? Bojack is livid. He snaps. He says, is it not that it's about a stolen story or a stolen idea? Um, Mr. Peanut Butter assumes he's figured out exactly why Bojack's annoyed. It's the shirt. It's definitely just the shirt. This, again, is just dog and pony show stuff from Peanut Butter and Bojack Horseman. Very good. He is a... He's a man that has nothing to care about in the world other than the shape of a shirt collar. Bojack is looking around, trying to care about absolutely everything else. And again, look at the lives they're living as a result of the things they let themselves get caught up in. The fact he ends up pulling out, he whips out a pair of reading glasses from his... <laughs> <laughs> to be like, he's going to give him these real in-depth notes. And the only thing he's fixated on, much like a dog that just finds that one That's thing it. and just sticks with it, is this the, the collar of the shirt. And this I film needs notes. It needs notes. It really does need notes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're still on set. Uh, Bojack is bossing Todd around. Todd, of course, obviously became Mr. Peanut Butter's assistant in the last episode. But Todd fires back. He's still absolutely livid with Bojack Horseman. Um, after Bojack sabotaged his rock opera and Todd found out, of course, in the last episode, it's all incredibly passive-aggressive. Todd just won't let it be, and Bojack has absolutely no clue how to react to that. Um, but he's rattled by a million things anyway, so he has no choice but to move on. We see him later complaining to Princess Carolyn about, well, pretty much everything, not least the fact that the only fruit they've got on set is honeydew. I mean, who would put honeydew on a film set? Even Princess Carolyn agrees, well, that is a garbage fruit, isn't it? Um, but yeah, uh, it ends up starting a fight with Wallace Shawn, who is, of course, in now in full <laughs> Bojack costume on set. Uh this is just a complete mess. Uh, I should point out Bojack while on the phone to Princess Carolyn. She is at a gym and they do this wonderful little visual gag where they're in the middle of a conversation. But every single time it cuts back to Princess Carolyn responding to Bojack, she's doing a different workout. It's just a really cute sight gag again, probably to highlight the fact that she is the new PC. She's trying to do as much as she possibly can. But it is to the point of utter ridiculousness that only Bojack can really do. Um, he makes it clear to PC that he's aware that Todd's annoyed because he sabotaged the rock opera. Uh, but Princess Carolyn had no idea of that. She absolutely bollocks him for it. She's livid with him too, as everybody would be if they heard this really awful thing that he did. Um, she has to try and assure him that absolutely nobody is out to get him, which again plays quite nicely with the fact that Wallace Shawn is over in the corner trying to get him. 
as Bojack is still fuming with everything, Naomi Watts storms in furious herself. Um, apparently, some dickwad called Todd has made her character three-dimensional. We should see what Todd's been up to later on in this episode. Uh, but indeed, uh, a woman in a Quentin Tarantulino film has actually been given dialogue, has been given agency. Um we cut to a scene to emphasise this point where Naomi Watts as Diane and Bojack as Mr Peanut Butter are setting up for a big kiss. Uh, Naomi Watts has all the dialogue and Bojack simply responds with, True dad. <laughs> True <laughs> most dad. vacant delivery possible with, again, the implication that Todd has begun a sabotage mission of his own by giving him such an atrocious line. Although, strangely, Bojack forgets himself a little bit because this is what he was good at once upon a time uh back in the 90s he was in a very famous tv show i've heard he i've heard didn't stretch his acting ability and nor does true that and he sounds surprisingly at home when delivering the line in this particular scene because in a different context true that would probably get the laugh yeah. on the, on this on the sitcom like if it just cut to him and that was his catchphrase True dad. <laughs> like, if it was set up in the right moment, you'd laugh at that, wouldn't you? I think that's it. It's another case of him not really knowing himself at all. He's got a, like an incredible lack of self-awareness to the point where even when he's playing the, the avatar of himself and Mr. Peanut Butter, he thinks they must be worlds apart and this pos this cannot possibly be the part he was born to play. Um, we see Naomi Watts messing around on the set. She asks Diane how to get into character. And then again, we get this real accidental sweet moment between Diane and Bojack. They don't even really know they're doing it. Diane says that Bojack knows her really well. Really, she's just trying to get her off her back. But inadvertently lets slip that there was quite a deep-rooted relationship between the two. There's a lot I've noticed in this watch around, I guess because we're doing this week by week, is just how many layers. And I mean this, like Bojack normally has a few layers in it. This episode is like layer upon layer upon layer of meta and sort of internal references to things that are happening in the show, on a show, that's on a show. Like, mm. and the Diane, the Diane and Bojack dynamic, the way they both talk about each other. Diane's saying it like sort of passively to get rid of Naomi Watts, but actually, she kind of, it's, it's, this is only a couple of months after she's just married Mr. Peanut Butter, and she kind of says like, she loves talking to this guy, and she doesn't, wouldn't feel more at home talking to anybody than this guy. The intention is, as you say, just to get her off her back, but the sentiment is absolutely as real it's, as it gets. And it, again, reflects this synergy that Bojack and Diane have still got and have built up over the time they spent together on the book and they're shared outside of their other interpersonal relationships. It's still new in comparison to some of these, the way that these characters have known each other for a very long time. And yet it feels like, at times, the strongest bond in the whole show. What have we said from the very beginning that Diane is rooted in being the true, the honest, the real constant that mm. goes throughout the show? No matter what's happening, she's always telling the truth, no matter what goes on in this show. But is it fascinating that, in a strange way, she's talking about Bojack so, like, in this weird, nice way, but he's dressed up as her actual husband? Like, yeah, like, that's that's what I mean. There's so many different layers in this episode where. The conversations have got like three different meanings because one character is dressed as another character, but is also that character. You know what it's making? Like a good light in a lift, it works on so many different <laughs> levels. Very nice, very nice. You've given me a wonderful segue there as well because we find Bojack and Naomi Watts uh, rehearsing new lines that have been added to the show. Uh, Todd, having consulted with Quentin Tarantulino, now has a film set in space for whatever reason, and the lines <laughs> are delivering are completely absurd. They sound right out of Todd's rock opera, at least a small chapter of it. Uh, and at the point at which Bojack says he's miserable and we can't discern if he's playing himself or if he's playing Mr. Peanut Butter, she's immediately attracted to him. It's everything that Naomi <laughs> Watts wanted in this completely broken man. Um, they go to have sex. Well, uh, is it, though? Is it everything that Naomi Watts has wanted? Or is it everything that Diane wants? Well, because she is obviously in character because, at this because moment. Because she's in yeah. character. Well, Bojack, just ahead of him opening up to her and feeling like he might be feeling some feelings for an actual human being again, she stops him dead in his tracks and says, call me Diane, which is not going to help this confusion any further, is it, really? But it seems to work, not so surprisingly, for Bojack. They are flung across Diane's kitchen counter. Oh. Uh, Bojack dressed as Mr. Peanut Butter, Naomi Watts dressed as Diane, cavorting on, like, a kitchen island feeding each other food, <laughs> talking about going off to do hand stuff before the next set, while Diane is just trying to make some dinner. 
she at the point at which she reveals that his book is actually with the publishers and ready to go he pushes naomi watts to the floor just lifts her off because his narcissism just escapes out at a moment's notice um so even when he's potentially wanting to make love to somebody dressed as diane the real diane trumps the fake one with news about himself news about him is the most important part there in the book the big tidbit for me that I took away from this is that I physically felt sick oh. when when Bojack, because they're like they're in a chocolate fountain and he's sort of putting chocolate in his face and her face. And then she says, Does she say like spit me some sour yeah. cream? Or oh. kiss, kiss me some sour cream. Yeah. What what are they doing mixing sour cream and chocolate <laughs> in the first place? I know that I know I know that's one of the tiny things. It, let, come on, Adam, it's a bloody horse having his neck, <laughs> necking on with a woman. But the thing that really bothered me was the sour cream. I just couldn't believe it. All of the things in this show that should make me feel uncomfortable. And Bojack spitting sour cream into Naomi Watts' mouth, dressed as <laughs> Diane, apparently is where I draw the line. They have found a way, and you make a really good point there, because you forget that it's animated, you forget he's a horse, you forget a lot when you're suspending your disbelief watching Bojack to the point where something very visceral and very real that you just can't place yourself in becomes the thing that snaps you out of all that. Yeah. And this is the second time that I can recall that we've seen them. Because it's an animated show, it's obviously quite difficult to get those emotions across and have the viewer feel those emotions. It's the second time they've used food and inappropriately placed sex for this for this feeling. Uh, it made me think of Bojack with Sarah Lynn with yeah. Todd in the shot yeah. while he's just trying to eat. And, and then uh, he gets dragged into it. <laughs> <laughs> he's part of it now. And you felt Diane edging ever closer to it. But as you point out, she's the truth. She's the all-knowing. And how to get Bojack to not give a toss. She had the answer. And... You felt that she wanted that too. Um, not, not just for the awkwardness of getting that away from her, but just to win Bojack back for just a split second. There's the dynamic that she still she cares. Like there's, Whether she's pretending not to or she's saying it flippantly to uh, Naomi Watts just to get rid of her, she obviously cares about him. And she has the power to literally get him out of that, like a situation where he's literally like mushing faces with another person in front of Diane. <laughs> in a clear attempt to get over Diane, which both of them are in denial about, <laughs> and she doesn't like it, so she gets him out of it with himself. The There's one thing that trumps every other card, Bojack. It's a cycle of jealousy that orbits around him, isn't there? Because Princess yeah. Carolyn exhibited exactly the same feelings when Diane was in the room, so it's almost as if Bojack doesn't quite realise how he can weaponise himself with other people's feelings, almost as if he can hurt people without realising. Yeah, it's um, almost like he's a piece of something <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we find out uh imminently he's on the phone with pinky penguin uh pinky's thrilled for change it's just nice to see that poor guy happy uh in his words he says it's not quite what we expected but it is good it might really sell uh bojack completely misses that sense of nervousness in pinky's voice and just wants it straight away uh we see it flash up on bojack's phone there's a lovely voiceover that provides a, a great gag it says, Bojack, this is you. And then the title, One Trick Pony. One trick. <laughs> I love just moments before this, when Pinky's on the phone to him, he's trying to like warn Bojack that it's, you know, you prepare yourself to read this book. And he's like, prepare yourself to, what do you mean, put my expectations sky high? Already have. <laughs> <laughs> he's an idiot. He's, so, an idiot. he's so tone deaf. It's unbelievable. Uh, the montage of Bojack reading the book so he's found a little a safe space with which to do it and it's a typical television montage where you see him in several different positions in the room with a uh, little bit of audio him reading in his own head spliced over top of one another it starts off innocently enough in in the way that Bojack can be innocent which is just little clips of him doing bad things so you hear desperate tales of make-a-wish kids and wronged parties and things like that but we are no more shocked than that than Bojack Horseman because we know this is kind of the life he's like he's led. He just alludes to multiple bad things. But by the end, uh, Bojack is obviously reading aloud. And uh, the very end of the book is pretty much the very end of Bojack Horseman and Diane's close-knit relationship. Uh, Bojack is narrating the bit where he's staring out to the ocean after their kiss. And in a very, very painful line, for a moment, he just said nothing. The implication being that Bojack hasn't shut up for every yeah. moment they've spent together talking about himself, and he finally did, and it was because Diane had to reject him. Uh, before but you sorry, assume, but... sorry, you assume that, or I, I certainly assumed. I don't know what you, what your thoughts were. 
because obviously they've, they've edited this bit of the book a little bit, haven't they? Because this is, she can't tell in the book, surely, that, that they shared a kiss. Because mm-hmm. if Mr. Peanut Butter reads this book, he's going to be pretty pissed. So That's a Very good point. Or is it? Or is it in there and she's took the gamble? We don't actually know yet, but I assumed as a viewer at this point that I was like, I, I don't, don't feel like we get that. So Bojack is stood, it kind of changes the context of this whole thing because he stood in that lush moment that we spoke about and I've uh, waxed lyrical on for so long because it's such a beautiful moment when he's like staring out in the sea, completely lost. But do we know if she left that bit in or, or did he not? We, we kind of left a bit. The stone is unturned at this point, I think. It's interesting to think about the process as well, because obviously there was the wedding and the various exchanges that Diane had. We saw in the last episode, she knocked on Bojack's door after the fact to say, "Uh, I think the book's done. I think we're good. Mm. But then it's only recently that the draft's been properly approved by Penguin. So you know there could have been additions and changes and perhaps a prologue where Diane talks about the wedding itself. But she maybe is struggling to come to terms with her feelings herself. And the, the easiest way to do that is basically just put that moment back on Bojack and then quite literally close the book. The best, like the best stuff is left unsaid and continues to be left unsaid between them uh, until Bojack said, and you'll excuse my language, uh, what the shit was that? Uh, <laughs> he is fuming. He, uh, he storms to find Diane, who of course is on the roof. Where else would she be? She's smoking a tab. She's nervous about Bojack's opinion. He asks her, what the shit was that? Uh, he's absolutely livid. Um, but she calms him down. She tries to explain that, in fact, this is more about discussing his complexities. It's not about just calling him a fool and calling him an idiot and being endlessly critical, which him and his fragile male ego thinks this is all it must be. Um, he just thinks that it makes him sound like a piece of garbage, whereas she has tried to explain that it's okay to show that bits of you are a piece of garbage because the public are going to love you for that honesty and openness. Uh, she's nailed it. It's both of those things. She is absolutely She's nailed. She's got it right, doesn't she? Yeah. We get that from the conversation that she has absolutely nailed the essence of who Bojack is. And we also know through watching him for the last nine episodes that we too have started to accept him for his flaws. So we can play the public. We can play the eventual people that buy this book and read up on him and accept that, well, yeah, that's how I feel. Extremely conflicted about this difficult man. And Diana's told that story perfectly. Do you remember earlier, Michael, when I said that there was a lot of layers to this episode? <laughs> we could be looking at a completely different version of Bojack in the book. Then we've got a version of Bojack that's in this Hollywood film that Mr. Peanut Butter's doing. Then we've got actual Bojack, who doesn't even know which version he actually is himself. He's yeah. convinced himself he's multiple different versions at this point. He doesn't even know. And he, he says out loud to Diane that the book paints him like an asshole. And it's like, yeah. he can't even see because of the blinkers that we've mentioned so many times, that <laughs> it, it, it's just the fact that you're an asshole. That's literally it. While they have this conversation on the roof where they first bonded, but that has now become a film set telling the story of Diane's life with Mr. Peanut Butter. It is indeed, as you say, layer upon layer upon layer. Uh, like a homemade soup, not one that comes in tins, the plot is about to thicken. Um, <laughs> because the movie very, very badly sours Diane, as she always does, tries to make a joke just to get out of the awkward situation. Uh, but Bojack is having none of it, saying, don't think this is what that is. Uh, this is your boss telling his employee that she did a bad job. Try again. Start over, but do it right this time. This is hard oh, going. Man. Felt this, hard man. Emphasised brilliantly by anybody who's paying attention there. The animation, sometimes the animation really, really works in this show. And if you watch Diane's face when he says mm-hmm. that line, the it goes from a look of, like, Slight worry, slight like sort of sympathy, sadness to like fury, and I know that's hard to kind of convey sometimes with it with animation. But my god, I felt every single second of this. Well, yeah, as you say, Diane did as well. She places a call to an ex, but we shall get back to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bojack, yeah. Bojack in a rage has uh gone back into filming, but this film has spiraled out of control under the stewardship of Todd and Quentin Tarantulino. <laughs> This played only for the visual gag. And again, to drop in a visual gag as good as this in a show that is so plot heavy is just remarkable television making from the producers of this show. Um, (laughs) The space theme continues in earnest with Bojack now suspended over a green screen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, While one of the principal characters isn't Naomi Watts, but is a tennis ball on a stick. (laughs) Oh, God. Tennis ball on a stick and the, the crew member who's just reading the lines off a sheet of paper. <laughs> on a sheet of paper. Uh, but don't worry, because Bojack, while hanging in the air, still gets the line, 
true that. <laughs> and the crew all stops. That's a wrap. Apparently, everybody was really happy with that shot. Uh, Bojack uh, goes to see Naomi Watts uh, kind of coming to the end of his extremely bad day. Um, just stupidly admits he's in love with her, just like he did Princess Carolyn. Just like, ironically, he failed to do with Diane, but he seems to be able to do it when it's ha- when he when he wants to use love as a fire escape from his real problems, which or he's about to do, or as a weapon, indeed, yeah, which he's about to do here. But uh, <laughs> she reiterates that she's been replaced by a ball and a stick. <laughs> she's been fired from the film. Because <laughs> she's no longer needed. The woman that was at first keen to play a vapid rom-com woman was suddenly given loads of dialogue and was then replaced by a ball and a stick. But uh, but Naomi, oh, this is a heartbreaking moment again. This is a moment between Diane and Bojack, and not between Diane as Naomi. Naomi watches Diane and Bojack as Mr. Peanut Butter. As Diane, we had a connection. So <laughs> Bojack says, "So I didn't fall in love with Naomi Watts," and Naomi Watts has to tell him. No, you fell in love with Diane. And what a moment for the whole premise, as you've pointed out, the layers and layers and layers to all come crashing down at exactly the same time. This was a powerhouse of a scene for delivering enormous plot points and yet two huge gags, huge. The brilliant, brilliant gag, yeah, is that we've had so much in the show of Hollywood and how the men of Hollywood are shit, basically, (laughs) is what we've had, quite a lot, and how they treat women really badly, obviously reflecting the times. Um, of, of 2014 and probably a little bit further on to be honest uh, but the thing here is they give her the role like so she's initially got this role where she wants to be the antithesis of everything that's happening all of the um, sort of the forward thinking forward movement of women in Hollywood she wants the opposite of that yeah. so so they she's happy with that then they take that away from her and then in a in a, some instant because she's either disgruntled by this or she's they don't feel like she's suitable for whatever the film has turned into, they then take it away from her to the point where she's actually somehow ended up with less to do <laughs> and sit than she had at the start when she was actually happy about it. And ultimately, the women have still been shit on by the higher-ups who are the blokes. I mean, what a Hollywood story that is. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's it's disgusting. You could it? it's absolutely... it, given the director, you could actually call it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Michael. Oh, very nice, very nice. I can't believe it took us that long this episode to get there. Instant I know, me I will give you that one. Um, Bojack, still just a ball of rage this entire episode. He goes to meet with Todd and uh, Quentin Tarantino. He's been rebuffed by uh, Naomi Watts. He's been having, a, he's had a row with Diane. It's it's you know the, the worst case scenario, Bojack. But he finds the two of them who have now changed the movie uh, to a bi-monthly curated box of snacks. Adam Nicholas, I'm sorry, you're going to have to repeat that because everybody who thinks they heard that wrong has completely heard it right, and they need to hear it again. Michael, yeah. what have they turned the film into? Sorry. For anybody that's worrying about the Skype connection cutting off here and the social distancing nature of this podcast ruining that gag, no, no, the uh, feature film has been turned into a bi-monthly curated box of snacks. That's as, right. Uh, as, as Quinn himself says, it's the future of cinema. 
<laughs> I tell you what, this really might not be wrong. But uh, I was just trying to convince people that you weren't just getting your notes confused and reading your letters from home at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, this is, again, so, I don't know, it's it's an indictment of Hollywood for how disposable everything is and how, like, every process can just be, like, scribbled over and started again and how money can be wasted and everything is meaningless. And yet in a wonderful little payoff to a long-term gag in this episode, which I feel like I might as well bring up now because there probably isn't another place to fit this in in the podcast. Lenny Turtletop has just featured as a bit part character trying to get something to eat. Uh, the whole way through, he's too slow because he's a tortoise. He can't find what he's looking for because he doesn't know where the snacks are because he's not sure if it's a prop kitchen or a real kitchen. And then, right when they've decided the film is going to be a curated bi-monthly box of snacks, he needs a snack. They've delivered him the exact thing that he wanted. So it turns out that the product is actually surprisingly effective. Actually which is which is just insane. Peanut butter in a really nice callback to last week where he his voice changes when he stumbles across something he wasn't expecting. And we think the shoe is finally gonna drop for peanut butter. Drops in with a very earnest, you guys. Finally, my story has been told. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he thinks his life story is perfectly summed up in this bi-monthly curated box of snacks. And uh, Quentin Tarantolino simply says, that's a wrap. So the job has been done. This is insane. This is so good. This is... You know, I have probably not thought about this episode in this much depth before. But I think if you were trying to explain the show and how mad it is, but also how brilliantly, brilliantly poignant it is at getting its points across and it really sort of hammering home some pretty deep and strong themes and, and motifs throughout the episode through absolute ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> This, so far, from what everybody's seen, I'd say this one's right on the money because, like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Quentin, Tarantino, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's a tarantula. Todd has somehow turned a film into a bi-monthly curated box of snacks. Bojack <laughs> has been Mr. Peanut Butter for a whole episode. Naomi Watts has been Diane, who then gets replaced by a ball and a stick, Michael. <laughs> Hollywood is mental, and it just reflects so perfectly all of the crazy Hollywood tales that you hear. And that chaos that comes with how many films must have just completely gone off the reels. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we, obviously, we always hear as film fans or television fans of development hell, where things get lost for years because of bureaucracy or red tape or money or anything like that. And yet this plays with that and it's actual creation hell. This is not something that's trapped in development. They've actually seen this project through <laughs> to a calamitous end. And yet, because everyone's so stupid, it has actually served its purpose. It's, it's, in, a, in a weird way. Someone's yeah. given them a thumbs up as well. That's it. I think the justification of it being a success is actually quite important because without that, how was Quentin Tarantulino or how was Lenny Turtletop or how was even Mr. Peanut Butter? How have they made a success of it? This shows you how because of the ine like inevitable ineptitude of a situation. I, think. I believe it's the Peter principle where you just fail upwards until you hit your ceiling where yeah. you can't fail anymore. Yeah. And clearly everyone in Hollywood has done that. Absolutely everyone. But that time is and time again. It's effectively a callback to the cold open where two weathered actors just accept the part because they just might as well. There's nothing else going for them, so why not? And this is ultimately paid off with a curated bi-monthly box of snacks. It's madness. It's absolute madness. And the only same people who are in it are actually nowhere near it. Like, that, <laughs> like Diane is standing there watching all this happen. She can't even get food and drink in her own house because the lunacy has taken over. The lunatics <laughs> are running the asylum and the asylum <laughs> just so happens to be her house. It made me think of the time when actors in interviews talk about how they didn't really know what the film was going to look like until they saw the finished cut. And we get to be that in this episode yeah. because it is impossible to discern what this film would have looked like before they reveal the snacks. If at any point this was going to be a feature length motion picture, you couldn't possibly know what it would look like from seeing it getting made. And I think that speaks to the chaos of the process really well. Um, Bojack believes yeah, somewhat logically that this all must have been a revenge act from Todd. But in a real, like, acute moment of heartbreak, it wasn't. Todd was just actually trying to help. He's, he's so far <laughs> wide of the mark of what, like, <laughs> what a film should be. He just believed he was giving Ernest notes something, which kind of plays to how he thought, his, how he thought through his rock opera, and yet that too was accepted by Hollywood. It's a comment on Hollywood more than it is poor Todd, who has just got ideas flailing around all over the place. 
uh, Todd, through helping with this film, was actually trying to move past it by giving Bojack this character work, this character arc that he did, uh, suddenly have the film set in space, and suddenly have Naomi Watts' character have more lines. He was actually trying to get past it, but he can't. He's still really hurt. Uh, Bojack is looking for easy forgiveness. He's reduced to that of a child that's just looking to get a bollocking from a parent, but he can't. It's it's worse than that. It's harder than that. Uh, Todd's not angry, but he's extremely disappointed. And Bojack can't just like magic fix this overnight in the way that he expects to. It's um, the way that he, sorry, it's the way that he says as well that it's just like, he's like you really hurt my feelings. I thought I thought it was quite quite powerful the way Todd just opens up and just just instead of beating around the bush, despite accidentally seeking revenge on him. <laughs> uh, just kind of says like, yeah, we're not cool. Uh, you really hurt my feelings. Like you destroyed the, like the one thing that I actually maybe was good at. Well, and from Princess Carolyn earlier on saying not everybody's out to get you, Bojack, it speaks to Bojack's personality. He would assume this to be sabotage and not Todd. Still really hurt, still somehow trying to help. It's just Todd's help doesn't really look like help. Bojack doesn't really even have time to process this emotion because uh, a crew member reveals that they're all laughing. Um, about Bojack's fondness for fritters. Now, why would they know that, Adam Nicholas? Well, it's because he's become the subject of a BuzzFeed list. Uh, we saw oh, Diane make the call oh. to her ex-Queen. He still works at BuzzFeed after uh, Bojack chewed her out on the roof. She's given uh, the book to be serialised for a Bojack list uh, for a Bojack list on BuzzFeed. Uh, Bojack is humiliated by this again. He's kind of responding to them in a more in a roundabout way, the way he did to Diane, he's missing the point of this list. Mm. This list could potentially get him help, but all he sees is the fact that people are going to be mocking and they're going to be picking at the things that he's incredibly insecure about. He, uh, he goes and confronts Diane immediately, but she, again, thinks this actually could be a positive thing. She says she's only actually given them the first two chapters, and the response to the list in the comments has actually been great. So this from Diane wasn't the cynical act of anger that we thought in that very mm. sharp cutaway. This was, in fact just her again trying to get through Bojack's thick horse skull that she's doing right by him um, it's really well done this because you, you're left for a minute believing that Diane acted in anger and acted spontaneously but no, we come back to this she's always the still point in this turning world and she was still trying to help she knew the product was good and she was still trying to get it out there because she knows Bojack is good but she knows it's really hard to get people to realise that Bojack, shockingly, does not get this at all. Um, after Diane goes into a great amount of detail, saying that she just did it to gauge reaction, and people love it, and will love him for him. She says, this is a really good book, and if you just give it time, you'll see. Bojack takes a moment, says, ah, oh, maybe you're right. Diane, with relief and surprise, says, really? And Bojack just says, no, you're fired. Harsh oh, cut. harsh cut. And the episode ends there. There's something, I think... In a weird way, you stumbled across an, uh, a nice little anecdote on, on how we try to explain Bojack Horseman to other people. Bojack Horseman is really good. You'd be, it's like, <laughs> Bojack Horseman is really good. You've just got to... I'll add that to it, the summary line on every podcast. <laughs> you've, ju you've just got to give it time, I think is what you said. As, as Diane tries to point out, it may seem like a bad person and a, a bad show. It's a talking <laughs> horse. But actually, if you give it time, it's, it's the best thing you'll ever do. There's a, there's a couple of little extra bits on uh, the other Hollywood stars and celebrities in this episode. We've got a little bit of Peanut Button Diane away from Bojack, although, again, in this episode, so much revolves around Bojack and is just basically his angry few days on set. Everything bounced off his fury pretty much throughout this episode. But there's just a, a, just a couple of nice character moments for Peanut Butter and Diane. There's one where Mr. Peanut Butter is talking to Todd on set as his new assistant, and uh, he just says, ah, showbiz, the great equaliser. <laughs> as Todd spritters his face and they sit there doing nothing while the crew work endlessly around them. Tirelessly hard trying to get some stuff done around them. There is a film about him being made in his house and he still has no concept of what's going on other than these goddamn t-shirts that him and Bojack are wearing. Um, Quentin Tarantolino, the reason I should point out, just to go back a little bit, the reason that Peanut Butter's got on this about this T-shirt is because Quentin Tarantolino is telling Mr. Peanut Butter earlier in the episode that he doesn't quite believe this film, but he doesn't know why. Obviously, we know why. It's because it's Bojack's story. Mr. Peanut Butter's... Mr. Peanut Butter received it must be the shirt. That must be the only thing that's... So that's what's missing. <laughs> that's what's missing. 
Um, and a small note on Diane. Um, we did talk a little bit about her interacting with Naomi Watts, trying to get into character early in the episode. Uh, Diane let her bitch flag fly a little bit when she says, uh, oh, when I was little, I dreamed about getting a MacArthur grant from my zine about how all the girls were bitches to describe how she <laughs> led a completely different school life to Naomi Watts. Um, and also, there's just Diane lets in uh, all of us, the viewers, through the conversation Naomi slightly. She's happy-ish. There's a really powerful line. She says, the you wedding was, Oh, you've got it as well. Good the man. The wedding was the happiest day of my life. But what does that say about all the ones I have left? Naomi responds, drag before gag. You are such a Zoe. <laughs> it's the way that she talks about the happy endings here, where she says, like, um, you get the happy ending, but what's after the happy ending? And what's after the day after the happy ending? And then she goes down this thing and it's it's that, again, Bojack refusing to be the kind of, it's 30 minutes and it'll all be great at the end. She's kind of telling us that even though it's been really nice, there's some sort of existential dread floating around in the background somewhere that the next day might not be as good as this day. And we know Diane, and we know really she would know better than to commit to something like that unless she was feeling corralled or perhaps under pressure from the things that had happened between Bojack and Peanut Butter right yeah. around the time of that wedding. Is that you? Are you all done with you? That is us. That is all. What a oh, what a deep episode that was plot-wise, but a hugely enjoyable one. So oh, good. It, uh, do you know what it is? I've got a newfound appreciation for this episode, genuinely. I've, mm. I, it kind of flew under my radar a little bit, and I've really, really enjoyed it this time around. Fortunately for you, mm-hmm. I realised it was quite a heavy layer when it came to doing classic Bojack and all the likes, but in terms of horsing around and all of the... You know, this is the part of the show where we go back through the episode and we pull out all of the hidden Easter eggs and little jokes and clever bits of writing that you might have missed when you first watched it. There wasn't a ton this week's episode, but there was enough, and they were good. I will say mm. that. So, as we do, let's go all the way back to the very beginning, to the cold open. I've already mentioned the fantastic Princess Carolyn line, calling Bo- uh, telling Bojack to just not be a big titty baby, which, again, <laughs> had me laughing stupid. The first real good gag we got, though, is uh, she talks about, when she's talking about uh, Quentin Tarantulino and how he revitalises people's career, she says, this could do for you what Reservoir Dogs did for Rin Tin Tin. Now, might yeah. sound like a little throwaway gag, that, but if you do a bit of research for anyone who may not know this, Rin Tin Tin, Michael, was mm-hmm. in fact a male, as Wikipedia will tell you, a male German shepherd that was an international star in motion pictures. Oh, brilliant. Right? He was okay. rescued from... Let me just go a little bit further because his history is fascinating. He was rescued from World War One battlefield by an American soldier who nicknamed him Rinty. And basically, he brought him in to play a dog in a bunch of silent films. Oh, and he okay. would go on to do a whole, a whole bunch of films in Hollywood, 27 in total. But this was back as far back as 1918 to 1932 was when that dog was alive. So that gives you a little clue. But what a clever way to weave that in to the mm. reservoir, obviously not in reservoir dogs, but my question to you, Michael, is in in uh, Bojack Horseman, is Rin Tin Tin an actual human dog? Ah, of course, yeah. Because could he'll you... be, could he have been in the show and been part <laughs> of it? We'll never find out. But what a wonderful thing to ponder. Mm. Um, when we go to the point where Princess Carolyn is obviously convincing Bojack and uh, Wallace Shawn to take the roles on the film Mr. Peanut Butter's Hollywood Heist. Uh, she, she's talking to uh, Wallace Shawn, and Wallace Shawn is a sucker, apparently, for Rothko paintings, as we see on his <laughs> wall. He's got a vast collection. We've talked about art influences on this show quite a lot. Well, anyone who's in, in any way sort of in touch with the art world will know that Mark Rothko is, of course, the artist, and his very sort of distinct style of paintings you can see all on Wallace Shawn's wall. But she does mention as a little tease to try and get him into it and basically say, because he's got this obsession, she's trying to convince him to take the role and this will pay for maybe his next Rothko painting. She says, I do know that there's a black and blue number seven coming out soon. And he's like, (laughs) all right, I'll take it. But for anybody who's paying attention and maybe knows it, there's a little, in uh, Wallace Shawn's room, there's a tiny little framed photo, a framed Rothko that's on the desk by a lamp. And actually in that picture is a, is an image that looks very similar to the actual number seven painting by Mark Rothko, which is actually known as Dark Over Light. The 
the colours are a little bit different, but mm -hmm. the composition of it is almost identical. So in a weird wow. little nod, it's actually within the episode already. There oh, you wow. go. I told you, these ones, there's not a ton, but they are. They go deep, these ones. I like that a lot. However, one that goes a little bit less deep <laughs> as we move <laughs> to Mr. Peanut Butter's house and into the old, well, technically the set of this film, there is a crew member who will not let Diane have food. She keeps telling her, for the crew and cast only. She won't give her any food. She's a bit snappy, Michael. She's a crocodile. So she's a bit... <laughs> but what you might notice about her, or you may not have, when she's not working very hard, she's got her feet up. And when she's got her feet up, you will notice that she's wearing a pair of Crocs on her oh, feet. Oh, nice. Because she's a crocodile. I don't know if you spotted that. You were thinking you were going to line up some crocodile shoes yeah. there. Apparently not. You can go down that road if you want. If you want to give me a little air, uh, a little... Sound of it from Jimmy, by all and means. Please and Alfreda saying, Pet, uh, Bojack Horseman crossover <laughs> episode is one that would make me cry, let alone Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> you could probably see an Alfreda saying, Pet, in this show as well. The um, <laughs> On the fridge, now I can't remember, I, I sh should have quickly looked at my notes from the previous episodes, but on the fridge, as always, we get the little bits that are written. I can't remember if it's changed since the last time, but I'll read it out, and anybody who's an eagle eyed listener, I guess, or viewer on Bojack <laughs> can let us know at Podcast Horseman on the Twitter or on the socials, anywhere you like. Uh, on the fridge, it says, food in fridge, question mark, hope so, comma, booba dog, hot bread, <laughs> jelly, flat bean. <laughs> booba dog. So, I don't know. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I've written there, name gag, and I don't think I've actually put anything in there. So, but just... <laughs> That goes to show you what social distancing has done to my brain. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on to my favourite one. One or two of my favourite ones that are in one quick bit. As we go back to the set, uh, you'll see there's a moment where a bunch of ants walk past the screen. It's a very quick moment. Uh, and as you'll notice, the ants have got, a, one of them has got a very specific T-shirt on. Uh, and it says that he's a member of the I-A-N-T-S-E, or I-A-N-T-S-E, as I'm calling it. Mm -hmm. um, which, as you can immediately notice, the word ant is cleverly hidden in there. But this actually is a reference to, in real life, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, which is the IATSE, which obviously ties in well to him being a crew member, but also IANTSI squashed the word ant in there where they possibly can, which That's I thought amazing. was wonderful. That's so good. Not only that, though, it gets better because one of the other ants behind them is holding a clapperboard, as you, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the clapperboard, on film sets where they do action, they clap the board mm. together. On the clapperboard, it says, on where the name for director would be, it says, and I may apologies if I mispronounce your name, sir, but it says Ken Kendreda or Sendreda, begins with a C. Mm -hmm. um, it says director Kendreda. So if you do a little bit of digging and you do your homework, you will find that that is in reference to director Martin Sendreda or Kendreda. Who mm -hmm. actually directs episodes three, seven, and twelve of season one of BoJack Horseman? Oh, cool! There you I go. was like, I like it when the, the real cast and crew get stuck in there like that. I yeah. think that's a nice, cute nod. Gets a little nod for his hard work there. And the other little bit I've noticed here, yeah, less less deep, this one is just was Todd's holding Mr. Peanut Butter's coffee and getting him a new one. He's staring it with a bone instead of a which <laughs> <laughs> is because he's a dog, Michael. Don't know if he's you know a dog. that yet. Don't know if you figure that one out yet. We're actually coming to the end pretty much with these ones, but uh, in the gym, when Princess Carolyn is on the phone to Bojack, you will notice as we first go into the gym, instead of being on a treadmill, there's a hamster there who is frantically running around in his wheel trying to work out and also has a tiny little bottle of water on the side of it just to <laughs> add the visions there. There's also one where Princess Carolyn, as you've mentioned, is on the phone. She's doing this back and forth bit gag with Bojack Horseman. When they're on the phone together, she's doing a bunch of different training exercises. She starts off, she's running on the treadmill, as we've seen her many times before, with the little mouse dangling mm -hmm. there for her to try and catch. She's also lifting weights. She's also doing step-ups. Then she's doing karate at one point with a hedgehog. <laughs> where she, like, <laughs> she kicks a plank of wood in half, and I've tried desperately to come up with a gag that goes with this, whether it's a pun or not. It might be a porcupine. The closest we mm -hmm. seem to get was, maybe it's the fact it's a porcupine, and he's holding some pine in the form of wood <laughs> i don't know maybe if you know let us know at podcast horseman we would like to hear about that one um and then there's the last thing it cuts to is here i think they call them a cat tree is that whether like you know like the little yeah the, the, cat, scratch, the cat scratch and stick cat mm. scratch and stick 
There's a big one of them. She's just working out her arms on one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And the last one, believe it or not, this is that's all we have, but the last one, the very last one, which is a good one to end on, I will say. We go and visit... I'm always going to mess this up. Pinky Penguin at Penguin Publishing. Very right? good. You nailed it. You nailed it. It's difficult, that one. I struggle with my piece. Hey, that doesn't bode well for when I get older. Uh, but, but on a mug that you'll see in Pinky Penguin's office, it's a direct reference to the Keep Calm and Carry On poster that we're all familiar with by now. Oh, my God. Aren't we familiar with that? And on the mug, it says, Keep Clam and Carry Prawn. <laughs> 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 if that was if that was good, that wouldn't be any good. Oh, it has that was to be really good. It's so bad that I actually want that mug a lot now. <laughs> um, I'm missing the Bojack Horseman mugs that we've left at work, like the fools that we are. Yeah. But actually, in terms of the horse and around side of things and all the gags, that is all we have regarding them. However, Michael, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar, but when we get to this part of the show, every now and again, even though you're so far away, I feel like I could touch you on my screen, but unfortunately mm-hmm. I would because that would be weird. To you, I'll say that along with what I've got, you may just have one last thing, and I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Um, oh, <laughs> now, normally I'd let you go first, mm-hmm. but I have actually just, I had a one and I've changed it mid, mid talk here. Because okay. I've just figured out an amazing thing that happens in this episode. So, as you mentioned, Lenny Turtletow <clears throat> spends a lot of this episode walking to, cho- to go and get some food, doesn't he? He does. On multiple occasions in the uh, filming of the episode, he just disappears. He, he mm-hmm. starts walking and he's a turtle, so he walks very slowly. And when he gets back, the film has changed, hasn't it? Oh, God, the film's transformed into something yeah. else. Now... The director of this film, Michael, is Quentin Tarantulino, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the real-life director, of course, is Quentin Tarantino. Now, in his films, in particular in the film Pulp Fiction, there's a character called Vincent Vega, who I'm sure you're all familiar with. And every time Vincent Vega goes to the bathroom, he goes into the bathroom, things are one way, and when he comes mm-hmm. out of the bathroom, everything has changed. Literally ah. everything has changed. Like, Vincent Vega would go in, to the toilet, and when he comes back out, everybody's dead. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> dead, Michael. But this, I thought this was a quite nice nod because I think this is certainly implied. Lenny Turtletop is the character, especially given Vincent Vega's character. He's such a weird, wandering kind of like, you know, he's lost in that little meme that's gone round forever and ever. The gift, yeah, yeah, it around completely lost. Turtletop, every time he disappears and comes back, the film has taken on another transformation. He's like, mm. what the hell happened here? So I figured that was a nice little tie-in, maybe through the director, or maybe I'm just clutching the stores, Michael. Who knows? Oh, well, as we very... discussed with Paul Horseman, nothing is ever an accident in this show. Absolutely not, no. It's it's made me want to reach like more for a, a gaggy one, because that's such a deep reference. I, too, had like something that I was reading into that might not be the case. I did love the gag. I just want to point out that for Naomi wants to be replaced by a stick and a ball when the object of her affection is a dog. It's a dog, yes. Feels wonderfully <laughs> appropriate. But... Uh, but I, too, found something that could just be me reading into this. Is Mr. Peanut Butter a genius? Now, the answer to that question is no, but I'm going to give you an argument to why that might be yes. Okay. Yes, he has a complete obsession over the shirts because he is totally stupid. But is it any coincidence or is it by design that Bojack has got a crew neck instead of a V-neck? Now, we know that uh, Mr. Peanut Butter has kept himself in trim. He is the perfect version of... All of Bojack's imperfections, Bojack is carrying a bit of extra holiday weight, shall we say. So might need the crew neck to protect an image that he can't uphold that Mr. Peanut Butter has. Um, and I wonder if there's something to the idea that the V-neck, as much as it's just a stylistic choice on Peanut Butter's part, it is more open. It is actually showing more. Peanut Butter has been always more open to everything in his life, whereas Bojack has remained closed up, bottled all the way up to the neck. And whilst Peanut Butter's note is entirely aesthetic, it is actually making a really good point about how Bojack could get into character. That will never be explored for two reasons. One, Mr. Peanut Butter is an idiot. Number two, this film spirals off the rails before any note can be taken for the best. However, I just wonder if there was a very specific reason why 
in, any t-shirt or anything, they could have put buttons on it. They could have put cuffs instead of it being yeah. short sleeve. But it was about the idea that Bojack was just up, literally up to his neck in it, whereas Mr. Peanut Butter has always just like let it kind of open and been willing to kind of give everything to something. Uh, what I'm suggesting is that actually the stupidest character is the cleverest. I mean, that wouldn't be the first time we've seen it because apparently Todd is a genius as well in this episode. I genuinely think, and I'm the same as you, I think I'm about on the third watch of this specific season. But I think having sort of sat through and done a bit of a deep dive, this feels like my favourite episode of the season. And I think you're bang right as well. It's a guidepost to everything brilliant about Bojack Horseman. I wouldn't recommend somebody just jump in on it because I think it requires the prior nine episodes to fully inform some of the big reveals and the, the big plot points. But it really is the series finding its voice and understanding more than ever, really, the characters and their individual motivations. It's pulled all the characters away from those very sitcom-y early days where it just has to... Every character is given an establishing shot, effectively. And at this point, they've got their own lives and their own narrative threads and all of them are starting to be picked at. And it just it's suddenly starting to feel really alive as a show. I feel like everything hits. The amount of layers we've got in this mm -hmm. episode, everything hits and it's because they've earned it. They've already yes. ended up with 10 episodes in and they've made me care about every single part of this. Bojack Horseman, the TV show, is anything but a one-trick pony, isn't it? It's and anything what a but, what a, anything but a one trick pony. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Right. Well, now that we've done all that, Michael, I guess we can just finish off here with a nice bit of Bojack shills, shall we? Just mm -hmm. get a nice little plug in before we head off because even though we're social distancing, we could do with a bit more social engagement because it's all <laughs> part of the deal. So if you're feeling what, like... And what has anybody got else to do at this point? Anyone exactly. What else you got to do? The same four walls. They're not going anywhere. So why <laughs> don't you come and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please come and give us a shout. Let us know what's going on with you, your favourite episodes. Just tell us what you're up to. We're not, we're not bothered. <laughs> We've got loads of time for you, as always, even more so now because we're all stuck indoors together. Together, alone. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's a stroke song in there somewhere, but never mind. There's probably uh, a Bojack episode in there somewhere. <laughs> 100%. If you want to follow either of the hosts to go with that, you can do. You can follow myself at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit, and you can obviously subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. You can listen along on Acast. They're all in the embedded tweets at Podcast Horseman, as Adam Nicholas says. And you can leave us a five-star review as 316 Hitman, and I love that name, oh. did. Someone's um, playing to your better nature there. I think he knew he was going to get spotted. He, uh, he simply said, back of the net. Love the show, guys. Reminds me of the good old days, scaring mates in a car with a horse mask on. I have a feeling I know what that's talking about, and I may have to reveal to the socials who that stranger ah. in inverted commas is getting at. But thank you very much, 316 Hitman. Uh, we appreciate that five-star review. You will get your Hollywood star talk of fame on the socials in due course. And again, for anybody that wants to leave us a five-star review, you can get one too. It's really helpful. It gets us up in the searches. It fools Apple Podcasts' algorithm into thinking we are the biggest podcast in the world. And that's all we're after anyway. We're not greedy. We just want domination. What do you mean, the thinking that we're the biggest podcast in the world? We are the biggest. Oh, we're there. I've fallen, I've fallen for the trick, goddammit. Other than that, though, I just wanted to say on, on, on top of this, Bojack Horseman is a fantastic show. Podcast Horseman is going to continue to try and provide you with weekly entertainment to go with that show. Christ knows right now is better time than any to get stuck into a podcast and talk yourself horse about a talking horse. Yeah, well, it just feels like there's a show right now on Netflix about an animal that the world is talking about, and that animal is a horse, and it's Bojack Horseman. Yeah, and the world should be watching it, and they should be listening to this podcast after the fact. Use your time well, because it may not come around again for you to binge in such a way. And speaking of Bojack Horseman, let's quickly do the synopsis for next week's episode. We are, of course, up to season one, episode 11, and this one's going to be called... It's going to be a happy one, Michael. It's called... Downer ending. <laughs> just what <laughs> the world just, needs. Just what the world needs right now. I should point out as well, fair warning to anybody who watches Bojack Horseman and has maybe been following along, episode 11s are the roughest episodes that you're going to get in the show. Yeah. If I can advise you on anything, treat yourself and watch episode 11 and episode 12. Because it's like... You know that phrase where they say, like, don't sleep on something? Yes. This is like, don't go to sleep on episode yes. 11. Yeah. <laughs> it's I couldn't not agree good more. for you. I couldn't agree more. I'd feel like I was doing a bad job at advertising this podcast if I didn't tell you. If you're going to watch episode 11, God damn it, give yourself time to watch episode 12 <laughs> after that, especially given everything that's going on. However, that's not what the synopsis says. The synopsis, <laughs> the synopsis says, Bojack embarks on a project in his typically gonzo style, leading 
to a drug-fueled revelation. That mm. sounds just like the kind of madness that will distract you from the actual madness that's going on. <laughs> anyway, with that said, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamford. And this has been, of course, Podcast Horseman. 